0: Good morning. Are you one of these people that when someone asks you how you're doing, you have like a stock answer? Or do you answer every time somebody asks you how you're doing, you have a different answer based upon how you're doing that day. Like, I'm good. I'm great. This is a rough day. I've known over the years people who have just a stock answer, no matter you know, where they are, what we're doing. When I ask them, how are you are doing, that they've got this stock answers. And I've kind of collected a couple of my favorite over the years. The first one is from a guy in Kansas named Lee, who no longer is um, doing what this says. But his answer was, I'm still taking nourishment. He's, he's in heaven now. <laughs> but it didn't matter. He was a farmer. It didn't matter where we were, I would say, how you doing, Lee? He goes, still taking nourishment. (laughs) I always thought that was funny. And there's another friend of mine named Doug, whose answer was always unbelievable. And sometimes that, he was a very optimistic guy, very positive guy. And I think most of the time that meant, you know, things are going great, but every once in a while it was unbelievably bad, and then I, I, I had a friend that used to say this one, and I never really understood. What, what does this mean? Busier than a one-armed paper hanger? I, I don't even know what that means, but he said it all, all the time. And then it, this is a good one here. I'm living the dream. <laughs> Please don't wake me up. You know anybody that says that? Uh, then my, my favorite. My favorite is, is the last one I've saved. It's from a lady that um, used to attend our church Now she's in heaven, and it didn't matter what was happening in her life. She always had a one-word answer. Her name was Naila Jeffries. And those of you who know Naila, you can say out loud with me, what would Naila always, in every campus, because there's people in every campus that knew her, what would she say when you asked her how she was doing? She would say, blessed. There you go. That was always her answer. And sometimes you know, especially toward the end of her life, things were really going bad, blessed, and her face would beam. And um, I've, I've thought of Naila and always saying that. And recently, I was talking to a person after the service, and they, I said, you know, how you doing? And they said, blessed. And I was like, oh, reminded me of Naila. Now, you can be blessed, but not feel blessed, right? Is this, is this true? You can be blessed, but not feel blessed. So, this morning, let me ask you a question: How blessed do you feel? And when I say this morning, I don't mean like this moment necessarily, but at this at this you know time in your life, how would you say you feel? You know, so, I've give, actually given you some words: zero to ten. What would you say? And here's some words to help you. You know, I don't feel any blessing at all. You know. We've been studying, you know, Ephesians a couple months, a couple, a year ago or so, and we read early on in the book of Ephesians that Paul says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies." So I know I'm blessed, but I just don't feel blessed. Or maybe you would say, "Yeah, you know, every once in a while I feel a sporadic trickle of blessing," or maybe you'd say, "I, "I feel a steady flow. I'm just so grateful." Is there anybody here today that would say, in any of our campuses, maybe sitting at home, I feel the blessing of God just being poured out upon me. So, so kind of take your temperature, take your blessing temperature, and be honest. You know, if, 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 you're, fe- if you're feeling no blessing, just be honest. But so That's, that's why I feel, or whatever you, wherever you are. And I'll come back to that in a second. You know, God wants us to be blessed. You know, in Genesis, the first thing that God does, I've pointed this out multiple times over the years, just after God creates Adam and Eve, the Bible says, and he blessed them. And all throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, in the very closing chapters of the New Testament, there is this God who's blessing. And we look forward to it. The blessing that he has, again, that Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 1 in the early verses. And yet, as I said, we can be blessed but not feel blessed. And there's a number of different promises in the Bible that make it really crystal clear how we can do what we need to do to be blessed, to to live in this blessing. And maybe the most famous one and yet most ignored one is from The last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three, where God says to the people of Israel, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. There's that phrase, poured out. (laughs) Pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. Is that where you are today? Now, some, some people can't get to this phrase because they can't get past this word here. It's like, oh, this is one of those sermons that's about tithing. But I, I want you to see that, this phrase. He promises to pour out blessing. And I've been a pastor for a while. I've preached a couple sermons on tithing. And when I do, whenever I talk about I, I get different kinds of reactions. Some people are like, yes, I, I know the blessing of God. And other people, as soon as I use that word, some of you right now started feeling guilt. Others of you are like, pressure. I mean, right now you can feel it because this is gonna be a sermon on tithing. Jim's gonna pressure us. I can feel that pressure. Others of you are going, "What, what are we talking about that for? This is out there. That's an Old Testament thing. Why are we talking about that? We, we need money around here at the church? Is that why Pastor Jim? No, we, we don't need money. That's not why I'm preaching this. So then there's just people who are feeling confusion because they've heard some teaching about tithing and then they've heard someone say, well, that's Old Testament. That's, you know, that's, that's the law. And so there's just a lot of confusion. So today, uh, in this adventure of trust, I want to help us get crystal clear about a promise that God has made to you and ask you, are you living in that promise? Are you living in that promise? Now, last week, I promised we would talk about this. We were talking about how there's the biblical plan last week about how to be a trustworthy steward, part of what it means to be like Christ, a a trustworthy steward of the the money that God's given to us, entrusted to us. And here's what we talked about, and then I told you we would be talking about tithing and um, so I, that, that's what I want to help you see today. When, when God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, what is he talking about? What does that word mean? What is tithing? And we, we can go to one of the first times this word is used, not the first time, but one of the first times this word is used is in Leviticus chapter 27, where it says a tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, this was their this was their income. This is how, how they lived. It belongs to the Lord. I, I've, I've highlighted that phrase. It, this, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. That's that's pretty strong language. So if you're taking notes, you see that phrase it's returning to God, you know, what belongs to him, because this this belongs to the Lord. It's it's holy to the Lord, and when we talk about this idea of it being holy to the Lord, it's it's set apart to Him. It's sacred to Him. This returning to Him is something He calls us to do, and reminds us just a couple of verses later. Where he spells out what that means. It's holy to the Lord, and it's it's every tithe of the herd and flock. Every now here we're ready to define it now. Something that belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord and it's a tenth. Literally, that's what the word means. You can just put that word right in there. It's the word 10. Tithe means 10. It means tenth. Every once in a while, I'll hear somebody say, yeah, I'm tithing 3%, and I I sometimes want to correct them and go, actually, that phrase is contradictory. The word tithe means 10 or 10%, so you can't give 10% if you're giving three percent, so what you should say is i'm giving three percent, which is wonderful that's the average what the average person gives in in America they give 10, you know three percent to a church or a charity or some kind of a social organization that's that's you know you're giving that you, you don't have to you're choosing to do that but but you you don't tithe three percent you if you're giving three or four or five or six or seven, and so you know God says give the whole tithe. In other words, the whole 10%. Then this language down the middle of the verse, he says, test me in this and see. So God is inviting people who are in relationship with him. It's one of the few places in the Bible where God says, try me, test me. I dare you. (laughs) And what he's saying is, trust me. In fact, we've been saying throughout this adventure of trust that that money is a trust training tool. And specifically, when we get to God's command for us to give 10%, to return 10% to him, that's a trust training tool that God has instituted. This is is the big thing I want you to see. God does not need our money. God does not need our money. We don't give ten percent, or if you want to give more than that or less than that, we whatever money we give to God, it's not because God is like, boy, I just can hardly make, it. I can hardly make ends meet this month, you know, or, or God's kind of wringing his hands in heaven, going, man, I wish the people of God would tithe. I just don't, ha- I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I need something. No, no, it's not about what God needs. It's God's way of trying to teach us to trust him. Here's the big deal. God calls us to trust him and knows that each one of us, so you don't need to to elbow your neighbor, neighbor. each one of us struggle to trust him and God knows that for 99% of us, our money, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, sometimes people think this is just a rich people, rich person's problem. No, it's absolutely rich or poor. The, the, the biggest thing that we struggle with trusting in is money. And so whenever, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, whenever you're engaged with a money transaction, it always involves trust, whether it's with your bank or whether it's your local grocer or whether it's a electronic, some, some electronic um, transaction, money always involves trust. God knows that. We know that, so we call our money Trusts and securities, and it's just built right in. And God, all the way back then, when some of their currency was cows and grain, and and they we're still developing coinage, God says, I, "I want to teach you to trust me, so I'm going to ask you, challenge you to trust me by giving of your income, and and challenging you to trust me that I will." Take care of you because from the very beginning of the Bible, in the in the the, the the Genesis account, the creation account, we discover that God is the trustworthy owner. He owns everything, He has the creator of all, He owns everything. And we've been talking about you know that everything in the world belongs to God. We belong to God. All the money belongs to God. Everything belongs to God, and He's always trustworthy in how He Deals with what he belongs to, what belongs to him. And one of the interesting trustworthy things that God does is to entrust to us something of what he owns and then calls us to be stewards, specifically trustworthy stewards. So I keep talking about us. Who is it that should be tithing when the Bible commands us? when the Bible calls us, when the Bible challenges us, because it does all three things, who's the us? Is it the Old Testament Israelites? Is it the New Testament Christians? Who's us? Is it the people of the world? Is it people who, who don't even believe in God? Is tithing for people who don't know God? No, it's not. Tithing is for people who are in relationship with God. The, the people of God. So. In the Old Testament, that's the Israelites. In the New Testament, that's followers of Jesus. Peter calls us the people of God. So anybody who is in a saving relationship with God, it doesn't matter whether it's 5,000 years ago or whether it's today, you're the people of God. And you are, when you become a people, when you become a part of the family of God, you enter into a relationship with God. And the way that we do that is in covenant. God takes the first step of the covenant. He blesses us and he protects us and he calls us to trust him. And then in the New Testament, he takes the step of the new covenant by sending Jesus to, to die on the cross for us. The only way we get into relationship with God is by trusting him, by trusting him, specifically by trusting in his gift of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. We put our trust in him. We, we enter into a covenant relationship with him. And now our relationship is a relationship of trust. <clears throat> and a part of that relationship is God now teaching us, training us to trust. I want to be really, really clear. It's Nobody becomes a Christian by giving money. Tithing is not something you do in order to, to become a Christian, in order to get God's favor, in order to get God to see you, love you, uh, save you. No, no, no. Tithing is, has nothing to do with that. It's what the people of God do once they're in relationship with God out of obedience because God's trying to train us. So let's, let's actually talk about this. Why? Why do we try? Remember, I, I told you we're gonna just break this down real, real simple. Well, in this first couple words of Malachi 3:10, when he says, Bring the whole tithes into the tithe, to the storehouse, that's one of the places where it's not a challenge, it's not an invitation, it's a command. So when we do that, we're obeying God. Make no mistake about it, tithing for people who are in relationship with God. Is not something that you can choose. I want to, I don't want to do that, but I still want to obey God. <laughs> Just like anything else, when you disobey God, that affects that relationship. It doesn't, it doesn't break it because God's covenant with us is much stronger than our obedience or disobedience. You hear me? Right? Amen. aren't you glad that our covenant with God is not based upon whether we've kept it today or how well we kept it yesterday or how well we've kept it over the last year? No, it's based upon God's faithfulness, the fact that he's a trustworthy God, but it is a covenant. God invites us in, and a part of that covenant is his, his command, love one another. That's It's a new command that Jesus gave to us, not an option, not a, well, I wanna obey God and all these things, but I don't wanna have to love people. No, whatever God commands us, he expects us to obey. We need to hear that today in in the world of smorgasbord Christianity. We need to hear, we don't pick and choose. Whatever God commands us to do, we do. And we do it out of a love relationship with him, right? So the first thing that you would see from, from this as to why we tithe is we're obeying God. Now let's go back to this verse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, which reminds us of this verse we saw here where it says it belongs to the Lord. So my house, it belongs to me. Don't think of a two-year-old, that's mine. <laughs> just, just think of, of God saying, I, I, I have a storehouse. I have a, a place out of which I bless people. And and this belongs to me. So we tithe to obey God by returning what belongs to him, to his house, to him. And I've already begun to step into a little bit of, of some other questions that will answer this. But this idea of giving to God what belongs to God. And I've used the word twice now, returning to God. For instance, when a church gathers people's tithes and offerings, we don't take an offering. We receive an offering because people are returning that back to God, back to the house of God. And so this idea of of everything belongs to Him, but He asks us, He challenges us, He commands us to give 10% back to Him, to trust Him. We obey Him, we return that, and we say that belongs to God. Now, Some of you have already begun to think to yourself, I I hear you, Jim, and I I am a follower of Jesus. I am a part of the family of God. But man, we're living in hard days. And this feels like a message that doesn't really account for the difficulties. I mean, have you noticed how expensive things are today? Yes, I've I've noticed it. Have you noticed that people are losing their jobs left and right? Have you noticed you know, this is a financial difficulty. Have you noticed what's happening to our investment accounts? Have you, have you noticed what's happening to the economy? Yes, I've, I've noticed all those things, just like you. I live, live in the same world as you do, but I don't look at the world through the lens of the economy. I don't look at the world through the lens of how I feel. I look at the world through the lens of the Bible and through the words of God, Amen. So so obeying God really has nothing to do with the economy. It has nothing to do with how things are going. It has everything to do with what has God said? What is God calling us to do? See, this is where trust comes in. Because when I feel like I've got all that I need, I may be less inclined to trust God unless I've been trained to trust God. One of the things that uh, I'm so grateful to my parents for is my, my parents trained us as kids to trust God, to tithe from a very early age. And some of the big struggles that people have in trusting God with their tithe, I haven't had to deal with because I, I was taught, I was trained to do that from a very young age. Listen carefully, those of you who have children and grandchildren. What a blessing you give to your children and your grandchildren when you teach them to trust God from a very young age. This is how we live in this family. We trust God. One of the ways that we trust God is we return to him the tithe, the 10% of what he, like give, even from a young age, give your kids 10 pennies. I mean, don't do that when they're 16. (laughs) <laughs> but from a very young age, give them 10 pennies and teach them. Now, one of those, we return back to God. I mean, all of us can afford 10 pennies to give to our children to teach them the basics. So it becomes, are you checking out with me? So it becomes a part of their life and they just do it. But because I know that we live in challenging times, uh, let me, let me use, kind of use an illustration here about the way some of us live our lives um, I'm gonna put a a piece of pie here, or or actually uh, my favorite pie, French silk pie. And um, this is the way, do we have, oh, isn't this great? Thank you, Tim and our tech team. Uh, This is how so many of us live. We're like, okay, well, the first part of the pie um, gets taken out before I even see it. It goes to Uncle Sam, right? And so this first piece of the pie Boy, I'm hoping I can get some of this on my fingers so that I can accidentally just have to eat a little bit. Boy, this is, this is a challenge. Okay, so there's, there's the first, ha, 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 yes. There's the first piece of the pie. I mean, I don't even get to see that. Uncle Sam takes it. And then there's the, the next, well, that's probably bigger than that. The next piece is the mortgage or the rent that I, mm, boy, I'm making a mess up here. Some of you are salivating. Mm, okay, so the pie is getting smaller, <laughs> and then there's you know I've got to pay for the utilities of that house that I live in, and um, that may or may not include the phone or the cable. But you know I'm I've got half of the pie already gone, and then you know we have to eat in our house, and we've got a lot of people in our family, so there's you know there's the piece of pie for the food in the family, and then I've got to pay for you know, I, I don't know whether you've, your cable is a part of your utilities. Some people, this is an essential in their life. I got to have cable, and you know, so there's you know other kinds of of those those kind of expenses. And and then I've got children who they, they get kind of funny about being naked, so they want me to give them clothes. So I got to buy clothes for my kids. You know, that's just the way things are. And then I've got you know this other piece, this last piece of the pie would. Well, you know, I want to go out to eat once in a while, or I, you know, I want to see a movie, or you know, I want to do some other things for myself, buy some gifts for people. So there's that piece, and well, I, 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 I want to give to God, and actually, you, you may have broken it up in different ways, but I want to give to God. Here, here, God, I've got some scraps for you. Um, you know, I, I love you, but that's that's all I have. I mean, I've got to live. And I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm not trying to blow this out of proportion. Boy, that doesn't belong on that table. That my mm. mm. aren't you don't you wish you were preaching right now? I mean, there are some of you who are dead serious about I would love to tithe. I just don't see how it works. I mean. I, I, I can't go to the utilities department and, and say, well, I can only pay half of that. Or if I do, you know, it just kind of delays it. I, I can't say to the bank, I can't pay my mortgage. I, I, all these expenses are fixed expenses. I mean, it's just, this is what it's like to live. I would love to give to God, but I can't. I'm, I'm speaking words that have come out of some of your mouths. And what I wanna challenge us to do is to obey the scriptures. <laughs> I have another pie. <laughs> By doing exactly what the Bible calls us to do. And that is to give the first 10%. That is so messy. The first 10% goes to God. And I, and I, I obey scripture and I say, Lord, here it is, I I, whew, I almost dropped it. I, I offer this tithe to you, I return this to you. This is my act of worship to you. It's my first 10%. And that is an act of trust because as you can see on the screen there, um, I've got now 90%, oh, that was probably more than 10% because I'm a generous, I love to give God more than 10%. Um, but now it's, it's amazing, those of us who have actually obeyed God in this, I could line people up on this stage who could give testimony about how, I don't know how we lived on the 90% because things were so tight, but somebody gave us a great deal on this or somebody gave us that, or I I saw this amazing sale, it just happened to be there and these things line up and God takes care of us. And I asked my dad one time when I realized how little money he made in and his job over the years. I said, Dad, we had five kids, you had five kids. How did how did you do it? He says, It's God's math. That was my dad's answer. God's math. I gave him the first 10%. We gave him the first 10%. We trusted him. We obeyed him. And God worked out the 90%. This is what I mean by trust. I don't give God the last, I don't wait to see what I have left. I give God the first, and I give him the best. And that's when the Bible talks about first fruits, that's what it's talking about. It's this idea of giving God first place. I love the the translation of Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you, to train you, to always put God first, to put him in first place. So you give him the first 10%. You give him the, the first you know, part of your first fruits of your income and you trust him to provide for you. And again, God literally challenges us, says, test me in this, trust me. So there's our word again. To, why, do we, why do we tithe? To obey God and to learn to trust him by practicing putting him first. As I'm talking this morning, in all of our campuses and at home, there are, there are some of you who belong to this church, and I'm not saying you're members, maybe you are, maybe you're not, but, but you attend here regularly. This is a church where you get fed. This is a church where your family is. This is, this is your church. This, this is where you're supposed to be returning the tithes, but, but you're not. And some of you, it's because you can't afford it. You don't have enough pie left over. Um, others of you maybe have never been taught the importance of giving God the first 10%. Others of you have heard it, but you've just kind of put it in the back burner because you're like, I can't do it, I can't do it. There's lots of different reasons why we don't tithe. I wanna challenge you today to take a step in obeying God that may seem to you to be outrageous. I wanna challenge you, every one of you, to obey God in returning to him the first 10% of your pie, the first 10% of your income to God on a consistent, regular basis. And because this passage that we saw from from Malachi 3.10, where God literally says, test me, we're going to once again, Take the Bible at its word. And we've created this thing. We've, we've done this before called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. And this is a picture of our website. You go to our website, go to Give, drop down, and there's a, there's a new drop-down menu that we've just put in called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. You go to that, you click onto that, and that gives you a chance to, to sign up. Here, here's a 90-Day Tithe Challenge. To obey God for 90 days, based upon his invitation to test him. This is not the board. This is not Jim. This is, this is God saying, test me in this. What's this? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see, what's the test? See if I will not pour out more blessing than you have room for. So here, here's how this goes. Today, you sign up. Or to later on today or tomorrow, you sign up for the 90-day tithe challenge. You fill out that little form, and, you, and by that you're saying, "I'm going to trust God for 90 days." And, and the, here's what we are asking for you to to tithe on a regular basis. And the end of that thir- that 90 days, you step back and have you obeyed Scripture? Have you given that tithe every time you got paid? Have you been faithful in that? Did you test God or did you a little bit here, a little bit there? No, did you test God? Yes. Then here's the question. Did God bless you over those 90 days? Now, God always blesses you. This is, this is more blessing. Can you see more blessing in your life over those 90 days? And if you can say, nope, actually, things actually got harder. I lost my job. I don't think that counts as a blessing. Um, It might be a test, but we're we're challenging for God to live up to what he says in Malachi 3.10 in your life. This this is just trusting God. Some of you are like, wow, how can you do that? Are you kidding me? This is how we live our lives. (laughs) This is not a big deal. It's not about us. It's about God's faithfulness. So I have no problem taking God's word at his word. So if you do, I wanna challenge you just for 90 days. Try obeying God's very clear command. Test me in this. What do you think? Now you can say, well, I don't want to test God because I'm afraid He might come through and now I now I'm stuck. You know, at least you're being honest. But boy, there's no adventure there. There is no adventure there. Test him. Step into this blessing. Because remember, he says, he doesn't say, I will just take care of you. He says, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out more blessing. So much blessing, you won't be able to have room for it. That's the abundance that he's inviting us into. If you can't trust God in this, I think you need to ask yourself the question, do I really trust God? I mean, you you can't get much more clear than that so trust him put him first you know jesus said in matthew chapter 6 seek first his kingdom and everything else will be taken care of and what is he talking about in matthew 6 he's talking about food he's talking about clothing he's talking about you know pie he's talking about the, the, the cutting of the pie up to make it to make make ends meet that's what jesus is talking about in matthew chapter 6 when he says seek first Put God first, and all this stuff will be taken care of. This is the God who can be trusted. So back to Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So what's the the, the third reason for why we tithe to obey God, to to trust him, but this idea of the the food in my house, so the, the house of God, this, in other words, it helps us to support the ministry and to finance the mission that God's called us. That's why the church exists. God's called us into a mission. God's called us to make disciples. God's called us to be a light in the world, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to to help the poor. God's called us to live this kind of life, and the people of God help finance that ministry by bringing into the house of God, the storehouse of God, the 10%. The, the, the first fruits, the Bible says, of your giving. Now, for those of you who right now, you're arguing with me because you're like, Jim, you've already alluded to it, so I know you know, this is Old Testament. Well, this is, you know, the verse I put from Matthew 6 is not Old Testament, but, but, you know, the tithe, the command to tithe, that's Old Testament, and, and that's, that's, that's actually in Leviticus, so that's the Old Testament law. Don't you know we've been set free from the law? Have you not read the Apostle Paul? I have. And and if you've read the Apostle Paul and you think that being set free from the law means you don't have to obey the law, then you don't understand what Paul means when he's been set free. He he doesn't mean that we don't have to obey the Ten Commandments, he doesn't mean we don't have to obey the law. He's, he's, He's talking about how we're not justified. Go read Galatians. We just read it in our church devotions. Go read Romans. Read the sections where Paul talks about the law. He's not saying that the law should be cast aside, just the opposite. He is saying that no one gets justified. No one pleases God and gets right with God by keeping the law. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And I always give people two little tests when they say, try to say that, you know, that that the Old Testament is law and tithing is law and we don't have to obey the law because New Testament is grace. There's law and then there's grace. And I always wanna ask them, okay, so do you, how well do you know your Bible? Well, pretty good. So what comes first, law or grace? Well, law does, really. Go back and read Exodus chapter 20 where God gave the 10 commandments, book of Exodus where God gave the law. What happened just before God gave the law? Think of Charlton Heston. Think of all your Moses stories. Didn't the law come after God delivered Israel out of Egypt? Isn't that grace? I mean, He He delivered them. It's a picture of salvation. He saved them from Egypt. He delivered them. It's an act of God's grace. Then He gave the law. So law's not first, grace is first. This teaching that gets floated around that law is first and then grace, there's a complete misunderstanding of the Bible. But not only that, that when tithe is first mentioned, it's way before the law, it's in Genesis. Genesis 14, the story of Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the God most high and blessed Abram. This is before he became Abraham. And said, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God, most high, who delivered your enemies into your hands, deliverance. <laughs> then Abram gave him, this is a picture of, Melchizedek is a picture of Christ. Read the book of Hebrews, it helps us see this. This is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. Then Abram gave him a tenth. Before the law was given, there was a tithe. There was a tenth. So Melchizedek gives it, I mean, Abram gives it to Melchizedek, giving it to God, a picture of Christ then the first thing I said that, that the, the grace of God, the deliverance of God happens before there's any kind of law. It's, it's crystal clear that it's, when, when Paul talks about the importance of the law, he's talking about how it leads us to God. It, it's, a, it's, it's a tutor that leads us to God. And we don't abandon it, we learn from it. But there's also... One more thing that just to me is the crowning jewel where people say, well, Jesus didn't tell us to tithe. I'm like, hmm, actually he did. Look, well, where is that? It's in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, where Jesus says to a bunch of religious leaders, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe. Jesus is talking about tithing. Even the tiniest income, from your herb gardens. I mean, you, you tithe on everything, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Well, you should be doing that instead of tithing. No, you should tithe, yes, but also don't neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying justice and mercy and love is more important than tithing. But he's not saying that you should stop tithing. It's crystal clear. Jesus is commending. Yes, you should tithe. So it's not just an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament concept that we see from the very mouth of Jesus himself. Okay, so if you're tracking with me, I've already referred several times to where do we tithe? And that's that language of the storehouse. It's that language of, of the, the house of God, where we bring our tithes, the treasury, you might say, and that, that, that storehouse is where the money is gathered or the, the ox are gathered or the, you know, whatever it is, this, this, this people's income is being gathered. And then out of that, they are able to you know, do the ministry. They're able to, to pay for things. They're able to, to help people, feed people. So this idea of storehouse is not just Malachi. Down in Nehemiah, Says the people, "Say we will bring to the store rooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of all of our ground meal. This is their. This is what they made, the fruit of all the trees of our fruit, wine and oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the priests. That's the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes. In other words, what he's saying is the spiritual leadership who oversee the storehouse or oversee." The, the collection of the, the people's tithes and offerings, whether it's money or whether it's grain or whether it's wine or whether it's fruit, whatever that income is, it's the spiritual leadership that you give that to who part of their job is to be good stewards, trustworthy stewards of the gifts that God gives. Well, that's the same way it is today. When you give your tithes and offerings, you're trusting us And those of our staff and our boards who handle the money, you're trusting them as the spiritual leaders to be good stewards of the money that you're giving, that you're returning to God. But that's an Old Testament thing. Well, back in the New Testament, Acts chapter four, the the early church, they discovered there's no needy persons among them from time to time, those who own lands or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, same concept spiritual leadership that God has entrusted to be faithful, trustworthy stewards of the resources that the people of God are bringing. So it's where the local church gathers. Now, please don't put any money at, at my feet. I'm not an apostle. I'm a spiritual leader, but you know we, that's not what we're asking you to do because Times are different, so we put it in collection plates, and then we put, those, we put that money in a safe place. So you know, nobody walks by and says, hey, I think I'll, take, I'll ta- take some of that, <laughs> all right? So, so you know, we're not being literalistic about laying it here at the feet, but you get the idea. It's putting at the disposal of the spiritual leaders so as they act as trustworthy stewards, they're faithful to God, they're faithful to the people of God, and the house of God continues. So let's wrap this up. When should we tithe? And the answer is really, really simple. Um, in Proverbs chapter three, it talks about trusting in the Lord. And then just a couple of, you all know this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him or submit to him. He'll make your path straight. And just a couple of verses later in verse nine, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. What he's saying is whenever you harvest, Give the very first to God. So my harvest is every two weeks. I get paid every two weeks. So that's when I give. So the answer to the question is when should you give is whenever you get paid. You get paid once a month, give once a month. You get paid, you know, once a week, tithe once a week. Whatever the rhythm is, you get paid and harvest time, then you do that. The point is not, you know, you know, the the rhythm of every week as much as it is that you're, whenever you get paid, whenever you're getting your income, wherever you're harvesting, that's when you say, God, thank you for all that you're giving me. In fact, that's actually the first answer to the question. How do we get, how do we tithe? We tithe gratefully. Lord, thank you. I I give you this piece of pie. (laughs) I give you this offering. I give you this tithe out of gratitude for how you've taken care of me. It's my act of worship to you. And, you know, since most of us get paid on a systematic basis, give systematically. Don't give sporadically. Give systematically. Make it, build it into your routine. Build it into, you know, I come to church every week, so maybe I want to give every week. Or I, I get paid twice a month, so I'm going, to get, I'm going to give tithe twice a month. And maybe the easiest system of all is, is what a lot of you practice, it's the online giving. I know a lot of you do it, because when, when we pass the plate sometimes on, in, on Sunday mornings, like I, I, no one's putting anything in, and yet the accounting people tell me that there is money. <laughs> so a lot of you must be giving online, which is great. Just, you know, I, 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 that's fine. That's the way my wife and I give. For years, I literally put a tithe in every, uh, uh, put a uh, uh, envelope in every service, so twice a Sunday, uh, every week, because it was an act of worship for me. Then, when the whole COVID thing hit and we weren't meeting, I switched to online, and I just haven't switched back. I wonder if I should switch back to giving every week, every service, just as an act of worship, because it's it's kind of cool to say, "Lord, I love you. Here's my here's my my gift. Here's my returning back to what belongs to you. Um, I'm so grateful. Your so your blessings are so amazing. You know, w- w- there's no law here." Do it every week, do it once a month, you know, do it every service, do it online, do it in the offering plate. There's no law there. Just do it in a way that is a, is a, a picture of gratitude and a picture of obedience, and a picture of, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you because at the end of the day, that's what this is. Will we trust God? Enough to obey him. So I'm gonna leave you with one of four choices. One of four responses to God this morning. Which one is yours? Yes, Lord, I trust you. This is a response to God. I have been tithing, I will continue to tithe. That's mine. My wife and I tithe and we will continue to do because we trust God. Many of you will say that. Others of you will say, yeah, I, I see it, I hear it yes, I, I trust God, I'm gonna begin tithing. Maybe you wanna take the 90-day tithe challenge, maybe you don't, it doesn't matter to, to this point, I'm just asking you to respond to God's challenge this morning. Third, some of you honestly are like, well, I, 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 I get what you're saying, Jim, I, I, the illustration makes sense, I understand all that, but man, <laughs> how about some baby steps? Great, I mean, great, you're, t- you're taking baby steps to trust God. Who would complain about that? It's a good thing. So keep trusting him. And so you're you're gonna say, well, I'm gonna begin to give 2%, 5%, 6%, whatever it is, but you're you're beginning to take baby steps to trust God. Your goal is to be able to say to the Lord, I have brought the whole tithe into the storehouse, the whole 10%. And then God will say, actually, that's not the goal. That's actually the floor. That's basic obedience. See, never think that obeying God is, is somehow like the height of your commitment. That's, that's the basis of our commitment. And as God blesses us, many people have found that I actually wanna give more because you can't outgive God. But I'll let you figure that out with God. But take a step. Or you might say today, I just be honestly, I'm not ready to trust God. And again, I, I, at least you're being honest. You're, you're not fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. You're just being flat out, I don't trust God. I'm not ready to tithe. Because I would challenge those of you who say, oh, wait, wait a minute. I do trust God, but I'm not ready to tithe. I challenge you on that. Can you really call what you're doing trusting God if you're not able to obey him in this simple thing? You say, Jim, you have no idea my life situation. It's not simple. Amen, I agree. I don't know your situation, but I do know that God is faithful. This This is the point. It's not, do you have enough money? The point is the faithfulness of God. And it's he who says, test me in this. Just try me and see that once again, I am the faithful God. Would you join me just by saying the words, We trust you out loud in all of our campuses? Would you just join with me by saying, Lord, we trust you? Would you say that with me? We trust you. How about we stand to our feet? Let's get used to saying, We trust you. In fact, I'm gonna invite our worship teams and come up in all of our campuses and we're gonna sing that phrase just to to get used to, to actually vocalizing and acting on our trust. Because guys and gals, it's so easy to say, I trust God. And in a couple of seconds, to sing, I trust God. But then instead, trust yourself. So let's take steps. Let's say it. Let's sing it. And then let's do it. And let's trust God together. Amen. So Father, I, I pray for each one of us as we consider what is our next step in trusting you. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your faithfulness. And may all of us who know you, who are in relationship with you, take a step in trusting you. For I pray this prayer in your holy name, the one who is the faithful one.